Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. Luke chapter 3. Go ahead and open up in your Bible to Luke chapter 3. We're going to read six verses of Scripture together, verse 1 through 6, Luke chapter 3. If you're opening it up in your app, um, I read from the English Standard, the ESV, so if you'd like to follow along there, you can do that. And then if you don't want to open up the phone, you can read off of the screen with us. So if you're there, say, I'm there. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Awesome. Well, let's stand to our feet in honor of the Word of God and read the scriptures aloud together in unity. Now, I will say there are a couple of words in here that are hard to pronounce, so just mumble through them and pretend like you know what you're talking about. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee and his brother Philip tetrarch of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis and Licinius tetrarch of Abilene. That was rough. Uh, during the... <laughs> let's... <laughs> okay. Just stop for a second. Okay, look. There, you ever, you ever read the Bible and you're like, what in the world is that there for? You ever read it and you're like, why? Listen, Luke is a physician, so he's very precise. All right? And so you have to understand that um, Luke's personality is coming out a little bit, but also Luke is very studied. See, he's read the Old Testament scriptures. And uh, in the Old Testament, whenever a word from God was released through the mouth of a prophet, the Old Testament would give us kings and governors as a way to date the word. So what Luke is doing is he's doing the very same thing that the Old Testament does, is he's dating the emergence of the prophetic word about the forthcoming of the Messiah. So we can know that the coming of Jesus is not simply a supernatural occurrence, but it's also a historical fact. Because we have actual people who were ruling and reigning in these territories when Jesus came, so we can point back to it knowing that it happened. Was that helpful? Okay, cool. So we're going to start with during. All right. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. Now, don't miss it. Say that part again. The word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. Ask your neighbor, say, you've been in a wilderness recently? Uh Uh-oh. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, 
proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall become straight and the rough places shall become level ways and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Amen, amen, amen. So uh, the title of the message today is A Word from the Wilderness. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much that uh, you have shown up here uh, with more expectation than we've shown up here with. We expect to meet you, God, but you expect even more. I thank you, God, that you believe in us more than we believe in you. Lord, you're so confident in us today receiving this word and bearing 100-fold fruit as we co-labor with the Holy Spirit. I ask for the glory of God to fill this space, every square inch of who we are, God. Fill us with your glory. Fill us with your presence and your power. We love you, and we receive your word today in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen and amen. You can be seated. So we have a word today. We have a word, obviously, from the Bible, but we also have a word from the forerunner of Jesus Christ, and his name is John. He's the son of Zechariah. And John, whom we know as a prophet, his name is John the Baptist because of his act in ministry of baptizing people for the forgiveness of their sins unto repentance, right? That's what John did. But John is also fulfilling a word from another prophet named Isaiah who preexisted him by about 500 to 700 years. Now, that's another excuse that we all have today to say, wow. Literally, 700 years before the advent of the Lord Jesus, there was a prophet who, in his own right, was standing in the wilderness prophesying and proclaiming that there would be an advent. Now, I cannot imagine how discouraging it may have been for Isaiah with the fire shut up in his bones prophesying to a people that were not really paying much attention, thinking, ah, that might happen one day. And 700 years later, there is this weird guy named John the Baptist who is wearing a camel-haired outfit, eating a diet of honey and wild locusts, proclaiming the exact same prophecy 700 years later, an advent is coming. In fact, an advent is here. Now, like I said, when we celebrate advent, it's easy to get nostalgic about what once was. But advent and the reality of this season is about us being reminded of what present tense is. And that is that Jesus has come and that Jesus will come. Here's what John the Baptist is saying. He's saying the same thing that Isaiah said 700 years ago. 
and I'm gonna say it in like layman's terms or modern day Nashville terms, but essentially they're both saying the same thing, which is this. God is about to show up. Let me, let me just say that again. God is about to show up. Like, this is what Advent has always been all about. Somebody somewhat peculiar, kind of weird, standing out from the crowd, dressing a little bit differently, eating a little bit differently, off in the margins, shouting, proclaiming to both religious and lost, God is about to show up. Like, does that put the fear of God in you or what? Like, when you hear somebody, and when they're looking that weird, you know they're anointed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, sometimes the weirdest people are the most anointed. And you make fun of them, but you won't look them in the eye. You do that. You know what I mean? Like, they pass you in the hallway at church, and you're like, I've met a man. <laughs> or a woman that has told me all about myself. You know what I mean? And like, they're kind of strange, but they are proclaiming what you know to be true despite the fact that it is seemingly from another planet. God is about to show up. God is about to show up. God is about to show up. Like li literally, this is my job, right, as a pastor. It's like, I come here every week and I say the same thing essentially, which is, hey, God is about to show up. Are you ready? Hey, hey, this is what Christmas time is about. It's about not only being reminded, but it's about being spiritually reinvigorated yes. with the awareness God is about to show up. Like, what if like one person in the room just changed their whole lifestyle around God's word, which is God is about to show up in your life. Like, I don't know how 2021 went for you. I, 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 2020 was mostly bad for most people. But what if we lived, like, with the expectation that any day now, God's about to show up for me. In my marriage, any moment now, God is about to show up for me. In my relationships, any moment, God's about to show up. In my finances, I mean, I'm just like one inch away from a breakthrough. God is about to show up. What if you prophesied to yourself and you prayed over your own spirit each and every day and you said, God is about to show up. What if you just lived like that? I wish I had five people that would believe this. Like, God is about to show up in my life. You better get ready. I'm putting you on notice right now because God is about to show up in my life. It's going to look a little bit weird. You might call me crazy. You might think I'm out in the wilderness all on my own. But guess what? God is about to show up. That is, I'm signing up for that. I'm signing up for that. Listen, I'm glad that we are a church that has become increasingly safe. There's a lot of excellence happening in here. We know our kids are protected. You know, it would be the moment in which we could kind of slide into that comfortable Christianity. 
You know what I'm talking about? Like as a church, we're getting bigger, we're getting better. We could get into that place of like that cotton candy Christianity where it's like, hey, I'm more of a consumer than I am a contributor and I'm just warming the bench, sitting in the pew, I'm not tithing, I'm tipping, but I'm just making sure that like I get to go to heaven when I die kind of Christianity. Like we could, we could move in that direction. Let's just be like an attractional church that makes sure everybody is comfortable and that the food is served at the right temperature and the, the worship doesn't go too long, but it's not too short and nobody acts too crazy and Mary Pat doesn't do any cartwheels and like we just make sure like it's all good. Like we could, we could go in that direction. I hope you, do you guys see that as well? Like because this is the size when you got to make everybody comfortable and like, you know, you know what I mean? Sounds like you guys know where I'm going with this, but, but here's the thing. Like if we live with the understanding that Advent is true and that Jesus has come and that Jesus will come, then we live in this place of expectation that God is about to show up. We have a hard time missing a Sunday service because we don't want to be Thomas when Jesus walks through the walls. I, that was, I, that was, that was. But listen, there's something about that expectation that you're like, I gotta, I can't miss a devotional. I gotta get to the kitchen table in the morning. God's about to go about to show up. Like, I can't miss a moment of worship in the evening when the Holy Spirit pulls on me and says, hey, come away with me for a minute. Because God's about to show up. I can't miss at, you know, 4 a.m. when I awaken from that dream that was so spiritually powerful and like, I feel the Holy Spirit drawing me and I'm like, God's about to show up. Like, I wanna come to prayer room on Thursday and I wanna be a part of what God is doing and I wanna get in the word and read the scriptures and I wanna fast and I wanna pray and I wanna be in places where I'm reminded of the reality that Jesus has come and that Jesus is coming and God is about to show up. Like, I, I want us to be that church. And unfortunately, guys, we can't be so cookie cutter if we are to be that because what happens when God shows up? Here's what I can guarantee. It won't be predictable, and it will not be controllable. I've had visions of our church having to assign ushers to pull people from the back doors because they fall over in the spirit when they try to cross the threshold. Like, I know that would seem crazy, but it is biblical because people cannot stand to minister because of the weight of the glory of God. Like, that's in the scriptures. So I'm not, I'm not trying to be weird. I just want us to be biblical. And if we're biblical, we have to live with an expectation, just like the prophets in the Old Testament. We have to live with an expectation, just like the historic church in the book of Acts. They were encouraging each other with these words. The apostle Paul says, God's about to show up. Comfort each other with these words, he says. God is about to show up. We don't know when, but he's gonna show up. And this is just how God operates. I don't know why, but he loves giving us words in our wildernesses. Have you guys noticed that? I mean, it is kind of crazy, but that's just the way God operates. Anytime he's preparing a prophet, he puts him in the wilderness. Have you noticed that? Like he takes Moses, for instance, this amazing uh, abolitionist. 
I mean, he challenges Pharaoh. How many of you guys know Pharaohs don't like to be told what to do? And yet he receives a word in his wilderness as God is preparing him to be a prophet. He gets a weird word, just like John in his camel-haired outfit. He gets a word from a fire that is consuming a burning bush, but it's not taking away the bush. Like, it's a word in the wilderness that is weird. It's coming from an uncommon place. It comes at an unlikely time. And yet, Moses is reminded, hey, God is about to go... God is about to show up. Go tell my people and go tell Pharaoh because I'm about to show up. That's, that's weird, but that's the way that God works. God will speak through another prophet, Balaam, through his own donkey to say, hey, God's about to show up. Like God will speak through a woman who is a prostitute in the red light district in Joshua chapter two, when the spies come in looking for how they're gonna infiltrate their promised land and Rahab, who is listed in Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith, she says, listen, here is God's word to you. Listen, God will give you a word that will shift your life through the most unlikely places. If you're paying attention, God will speak. If you're listening, God's voice will break through. Rahab says, listen, I know this is your land. What does she do? She confirms a word from the Lord. Think about Joseph. Joseph is in prison. Are you telling me that a nation-shifting prophetic dream can come from a prison cell in a basement somewhere? Well, that's what happened in Genesis. Joseph receives a dream. God is about to show up. He becomes anointed with interpretations for the king. He becomes an influencer. He's put on a national political stage, and he gives words that shift and save a generation of people. God's word will come from the most unlikely places. And so you might find yourself today in an unlikely place. Like this is, I'm down bad, man. Well, if you look through the lens of Scripture, then you'll know this is the exact posture that the Holy Spirit loves to speak into. If you're in a wilderness right now, know this, you're being prepared. And there is a prophetic anointing that is about to come upon your life. That's the way it works in the Bible. That's the way it works with God. He'll put you in places to prepare you, and you'll think he's neglecting you, but the truth is he's anointing you. It's true. He's anointing you. What is he anointing you with? He's anointing you with an expectation, but not just for you personally. He's giving you a message to proclaim to your metron of influence that God is about to show up. And here's the proof. Watch what he's doing in my life. God is about to show up. And I know when you're telling your friends and your family and your coworkers that, it feels lonely sometimes. John the Baptist. John the Baptist, standing out there all by himself. He's like, God's about to show up. God's about to show up. And people are thinking, well, if God is about to show up, I, w- I don't want to miss it. Yep. How many of you guys are there? Like, if I'm telling you and you believe it today that God's about to show up, how many of you guys are like, I don't want to miss it. I, I want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of what God is doing in my generation. I want to be here on the day that, you know, The glory gets poured out in such a way that nobody can stand to minister. Like, I don't want to miss that. 
Can I tell you, if you'll prepare for it, you won't miss it. Let me try this side. So if, you, if you'll prepare for it, you won't miss it. So this is really important because this is what Isaiah says that John repeats. God is about to show up, but what does he prophesy? Prepare the way. Prepare the way. You can go back and look at Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. I'm going to read it in the King James. It's Christmas time. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness. What does Isaiah tell us, church? Prepare ye the way of the Lord. If you want to be there and you want to see it and you want to be a part of God showing up, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Have you ever wondered why two people could be in the exact same atmosphere? One is acknowledging the presence of God and the other is completely unaware that God is even in the room. Listen, God's grace can work over any wall, but oftentimes what we see in church is the difference between someone who has taken the time to prepare the way of the Lord and somebody else who's simply shown up hoping that something will happen without taking any responsibility for the words that they have received. I'm talking about those of us, which is everybody in this service. There's a few people in the first, they didn't get it, but it's you guys are good. Like, we're, we're in unity right now. Like, yes! I want God to show up. Okay, well, if you want God to show up, prepare the way. Prepare the way of the Lord. How? How do you prepare the way of the Lord? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today because if you want to experience God showing up in your life, you have to prepare. You have to prepare. You have to prepare. There's a primary way that we prepare, and through that way, which is called repentance, everybody say repentance. There's many tributaries or expressions of how we can repent, how we can change our mind, and how we can prepare for the Lord to show up in our life. What I realized through studying this this week and um, thinking about Advent and Christmas time, I recognized that we as presence people should be among those most excited for Christmas time. I'm not saying we should all like watch Hallmark movies and like, you know, we should have the best house on the block for Christmas lights. That's not exactly what I mean, but if you want to do that, I co-sign, all right? Do it, all right? I'm a dad now of three. I was never uh, about Christmas before. I told you as a kid I enjoyed it, but as an adult, it's a lot of responsibility. Have you ever went out and bought a real Christmas tree and paid for the Philips Hue light bulbs because there's no Wonder Shop light bulbs available at Target, and so you have to buy two boxes because your kids are excited about setting it up, and they're $42 each. Me either. I've never experienced that. I've never had that experience ever. That happened literally on Friday of last week. Right, so I'm like, I don't want to do all this stuff. You know, I'm an adult now. We got work to do. We got souls to save. We got the gospel to preach. Don't worry about all that. But now what I'm realizing is it's not necessarily about decorating a tree. It is about preparing for an actual person to show up. 
And for us as presence people, people who have a real understanding that God can be experienced in actual intimacy, we should be among those most excited for Christmas because what's happening is that tradition is reminding a generation that God is about to show up, Jesus has come, Jesus will come again, and you can experience him right now today if, if, you will prepare. If you will prepare. And that's why John received this word, becomes Christ's forerunner, and he goes out into the wilderness. He goes all over the place, and what does he begin to preach? Repent, 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 repent. Why? So that, not just so that you can heap shame upon yourself and remind yourself of every bad thing you've ever done, but repent so that God can hear you and pardon you of all of your sins. Because you're not repenting like abracadabra, okay, I'm better. You are saying to God, I am making an intentional commitment to live life differently from this moment because I've realized the direction I'm heading is not pleasing unto you. So I repent, and then what happens? Jesus' blood, which we receive today through communion, cleanses you of all of your sin, and you are forgiven and made right with God, and the result of that is peace. Let me tell you, there is no peace like the peace of being forgiven. I mean, there ain't no peace. You, you can't smoke nothing that'll give you that kind of peace. Listen, you can't drink nothing that'll give you that kind of peace. You can't get any promotion. You can't make a certain amount of money. You can't get the right guy. You can't get the right girl. You can't get the perfect amount of followers. There ain't nothing on planet Earth that can give you the peace that being forgiven and pardoned by God of all of your sin can grant you. Now, that is real peace. And so, y'all know what I'm talking about because a few people in this room You've experienced that peace because you were like, man, ain't no coming back from here. And God gave you peace as he forgave you of your sin. He said, man, I'm dead in the water. God forgave you and he gave you peace. See, when we talk about Advent, what we're talking about is preparing for a person. And guess what? He is the prince of See, there's four themes in Advent. We talked about hope last week. This one is peace. And I know you guys were wondering, how in the world was I going to work in the theme of peace into that passage of Scripture? Well, we just did it together. And, and John is fulfilling this prophetic word from Isaiah. Let's read this passage real quick. John is uh, fulfilling. Um, you, you can keep going. Sorry, I skipped over that, but that's a good one. Peace I leave with you. No, go back. We should read that. That's a good scripture right there. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Why don't you just reach out and just grab it and say, I got it. All right, next scripture, please. So John 3, we read this already, but prepare the way of the Lord. So we're probably asking ourselves, how do I prepare? Because I want to be here for Advent. I want to experience God. How do I prepare? Well, he gives us five prophetic illustrations. They're all pretty similar, but if you'll use biblical prophetic imagery, you can actually catch what it is that Isaiah is trying to communicate. 
Make his path straight, every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways. Now, obviously, we're talking about construction, infrastructure, roadways, bridges, highways, byways. The point and the moral of the story is this. God is about to show up. You must go to work making sure that it is easy for God to get to you. Let me ask you a real question. How hard is it for God to get through to you? How hard is it for God to get a word in your spirit? Are you listening? When somebody says, God's about to show up in your life, are you like, parking lot prophecy? Dang. When, 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 when somebody's like, good stuff is coming into your life, have you become so jaded by cotton candy Christianity that you're like, ain't nothing about to happen. You, you get a prophetic dream. Like, God gives you a download in the night season, and you're like, bad burrito. I ate some pizza. It's a weird dream, man. I had a weird dream. And God's like, I am trying to tell you I want to show up in your life. Your mom calls you. Your grandma calls you. I I was praying for you. And the Lord told me to tell you. Old lady, she's crazy. If God wanted to speak to me, well, he knows my address. Listen, I'm being honest. I think that unfortunately, some of us have lost the real expectation that any second now, man, God's about to show up in my life. I don't know, I don't know when, but he's about to. And I have a very real expectation of this, and I am doing my part to ensure that whenever he wants to show up, He will, and I'll have that experience in my life. And so Isaiah says, here's how to, uh, you know, prepare. Number one is make his path straight. Make his path straight. A path makes it easier to get somewhere. I've asked you this question, but how hard is it for God to get to you? Real question. Please investigate your heart this morning. The second thing he says is every valley shall be Filled. He's talking about taking the low places in our lives and bringing them up to the standard of Scripture. That's important, guys. How many of you take your circumstance and declare the Word of God over it? Come on, that's important, church. Right? We're not complaining to God about the size of our circumstance. We're actually looking our circumstance in the face and we are telling our circumstance about the size of our God. The low places come up. How long have you stayed low? Don't let a rut become a grave. Maybe you're not stuck, maybe you've just stopped. Well, ain't no freedom for me, ain't no deliverance for me. 
Well, you're not preparing for any deliverance. You're smoking weed playing PlayStation. Well, God's about to show up. You're not acting like he's about to show up. See, I hear you saying something, but your lifestyle looks completely different. I hear you preaching that. God's about to show up. But you're not living with any expectation that God is about to move in your life in an unprecedented way. Like Jesus has come and Jesus is coming. And all I've experienced is not all that there is. There is more. God's about to show up. My high water mark in God was not the first three months of my salvation. But how many of us live like that? Oh, yeah, that was great. I had that experience. What a wonderful season. Okay, that was so great. But, you know, now I'm just going to church. And I have no expectation that God is going to show up in my life with encounters or in prayer or in worship or in my finances or my relationships. I've lost all of the expectation, and I've traded it in for religion. You see, this is what the Pharisees did. The religious people in Jesus' day, they read the scriptures, and they were completely prepared intellectually. They said the right things. And when the prophets were proved right and God actually showed up, the most prepared people missed it. The religious people that were every Sunday sitting in a church pew, listening to the scroll read out loud, yeah, 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 I know, God's about to show up, God's about to show up. They were posting it on their Facebook feeds, God's about to show up, and yet Jesus shows up, and they miss it. Why? Because they hadn't prepared in their spirit. They hadn't made it easy for God to get to them. They had exchanged revelation of God personally for information about God scripturally. So he said, hey, make the low prices, bring them up. That's Valley's Field, number three. Mountains low, God brings low the mighty. Pride hardens your heart to receive. The number one way, in my opinion, that you are guaranteed to miss out on a move of God is be arrogant. Because God shows up for the dependent, those that will confess, God, I need you. I need you to show up. This isn't about me seeing a prophecy fulfilled. This is about the fact that I'm weak without you, that I don't know what I'm doing without your direction, that I am completely disconnected from all things loving and holy without your intimacy. Like, I don't, I need you. Not being arrogant, not being prideful. Make the mountains low. If you have pride in your heart, let's do what John says. Repent, number four. Almost finished. The crooked place is made straight. Well, let's deal with our wayward ways. Come on, church. Let's stop pretending in the era of everybody talking about I'm just keeping it real. Well, we don't do that with God very often. We pretend, yeah, I'm good, I'm holy, I'm righteous. But what's happening is that we're living a wayward lifestyle and we know it. We're just pretending like it's not happening because we're living in accordance to the standard of our friendships. I've just noticed that a lot of people will compare themselves with their community and they'll say, well, as long as I am as holy as they are, then I'm doing it right. 
but your community is not your standard of righteousness. Jesus is. And it's not just about you being a little bit better or a little bit less holy than your friends. It's about you pursuing the advent of an actual person who is the precious, holy, spotless Lamb of God and over time becoming more like Him. You, you got to play, Ren, because it's just, the fire is just going to keep me going till after the Titans game. <laughs> but, but, but if we were to get real and say, I'm going to repent of sin, what is sin? Well, one of the things the Bible says is sin is anything done apart from faith. Well, I don't want to read the Bible because I don't want to be responsible for what it says. <laughs> the Bible says, for he who knows to do right and does not, it is sin. You're not fooling anybody. Just, let's just be honest, guys. I know to do better, and I'm not. Let's repent. Last one. Fifth one. The rough made level. Get back to balance and away from the extremes. You don't have to live a life of extremes. You know, you know what I've noticed is that in certain people's lives, and I, I've been there too, so I'm not preaching at you, you have like a level five situation in your life, but it feels like a level 10. You have like low level drama in your life, but you are freaking out, man. Yes. <laughs> at like a level 10. You're like... Like everything just, you're just blasting off like a rocket, man. You're like, you're angry. Like you're just, just a little thing that should be something that you can be like, you know what? God forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. Bless them with wisdom, Lord. That's what I pray over people in Nashville traffic. Yeah. But for too many of us, that erupts into actual road rage. And we'll go to church on Sunday and we're flipping the bird on Thursday to people who didn't let us over on 65. Yeah, nobody wants to say amen because I already know. But you know exactly what I'm talking about, church. Wayward ways, get rid of them, be honest. Get back to balance, away from extremes. You don't have to be on an emotional roller coaster in your life. God did not give you the spirit of fear. God gave you the spirit of what? Power, love, and a... That means I can fix my feet on the rock that is Jesus. Are you talking about me? Watch me stay stable. Are you gossiping about me? Not rocking my boat one bit. I don't even need to respond. I'm not checking for your opinion. I have already received the fathers. I see over there, your life is out of control. So the way that you feel validated is by trying to make me feel as though my life is out of control. But I'm going to pray for you. Because I'm over here on stable soil. 
See, I built my house on the rock. And I see you over there sinking in the sand, but let me tell you something. God is about to show up. Let me tell you something. God is about to show up, bro. You are looking at the wrong stuff. You're putting the wrong things under a microscope. God is about to show up. And I have an expectation he's about to come through in my life. And I'm not looking for anything else but Jesus. 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 Jesus has come. Jesus will come again. God is about to show up. Come on, why don't you find three people, give them a high five, and tell them God is about to show up. 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 Come on, stand to your feet and shout it out loud. God is about to show up. Why don't you remind yourself one time, God is about to show up. Come on, remind your spirit one time, God is about to show up. Come on, remind your circumstance one time, God is about to show up. Come on, remind your wilderness one time, God is about to show up. <laughs> My God will show up. My God will show up. Feeling like David this morning, whenever he said of his foes, they make fun of me. And they ask, where is his God? God is about to show up. <laughs> you can come, Lord. Will you come, Lord? We say Maranatha. We celebrate the Advent. We are re-energized by the arrival. God is alive in my life. He's living. He's breathing. He's active. He's moving. I may have neglected his presence for a while, but not after today. Not after this Sunday morning in December of 2021. I live with an eager expectation that God is about to show up. God's moving in my life. God's moving in my life. If you're in here today and you are far from Jesus and you need to come home to him, you are lost and living in sin and you will acknowledge that, I want to invite you to repent of your sin and come to Jesus. If that's you, I'm just going to ask everybody in the room for 30 seconds to close their eyes and bow their heads. I want to give you the opportunity to look within for a moment. If any of these five things that Isaiah gave us is a reality for you and it's kept you completely disconnected from Jesus and today is the day of your salvation, would you just shoot your hand up in the air? Don't even think about it. Just respond. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? I want to pray with you because we're going to celebrate a homecoming in your life today. I see you. Is there anyone else? I see you. Awesome. Is there anybody else? I see you. I see you. Is there anybody else? I see you. Awesome, I see you. Anybody else? I just want to give you this opportunity. It's an invitation from God. I see you. Awesome. Anyone else? This is for you today. Jesus is here. God is in the room. He is for you today. 
For those of you guys who have lifted your hand, I counted six people who are receiving Jesus today, and I don't care if it's your first time, if it's your 20th time, today is the day that you choose him and come home. We're gonna pray this passage from Romans chapter 10, verse nine. Let's all pray this together, please. I declare with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. And I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. I am saved. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me with your blood. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I belong to you. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Can we bless the Lord all together? We love you, Jesus. We love you. We love you. Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.